This offer being made to you today is like no other that the world and its universe can make. This offer is not what you think it is either. There are only two options before you today, accept or reject. Do not be confused. Today's offer is not churchy talk, which often runs far afield of thus saith the Lord. This offer being made at this minute is for all visitors who have not yet to make their peace with God. This offer was kept secret since the world began until a 30-year-old carpenter revealed it for the first time to Nicodemus in John 3, verses 1 through 8. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. This single Jewish carpenter, when born, was laid in a manger, for at the time of his birth there was no room for his mother and his father in the inn. Noah Webster defines manger a trough or box in which fodder is laid for cattle or the place in which horses and cattle are fed. This particular manger was found in a little Hebrew town called Bethlehem, which means house of bread. Jesus speaks in John 6, verse 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Do you think all this is a coincidence? Surely not. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave his only begotten Son for our salvation, and this only begotten Son gave his flesh to break the back of Satan's chokehold and to deliver our eternal souls. Feel the ominous power of Hebrews 2.3, How shall we escape? if we neglect so great salvation. You have only two options, accept or reject the offer being made today. This offer is so magnificent and so magnanimous, so radiantly resplendent that it can only be partially described. It is bigger than our grandest expectations. 1 Corinthians 2.9, But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. At this place called born again, everything changes. You will become a brand new person, a new creature, as the Bible calls it. 
All your sin and its heavy shame will be washed away in just a few moments. Follow me in a simple prompt, and all of Satan's bondages in your life will be shattered. The bigger, the better. This is real. Move now. Here is the prompt I promised. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Your soul is in your own hands, and this is truly a limited-time offer. Now for today's subject. God said, John fourteen twenty six, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. God said, John seven thirty eight and 39, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. God said, 1 Corinthians fourteen fourteen. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. Man said, there's nothing supernatural about the Bible. It's just old men writing old, outdated foolishness. When I need real answers, I just ask my phone. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 1091, that will once again stand in defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ, whose name is recorded in Revelation 19.13 as the Word of God. All of these God-honoring features are archived here in text and streaming audio, and they are true Holy Ghost word therapy. Every Thursday eve, not uh, God willing, excuse me, they grow by one. Thank you for coming. May God's marvelous face shine upon you with light and truth. They always end up here. All of the carnal world's academic machinations designed to malign and discredit God's inerrant word and an obvious error. Unfortunately, the carnal world's spiritually blind eyes cannot perceive their errors. God's word cannot be broken. It is a continual phenomenon to watch as the word of God, penned thousands of years ago by whom critics dubbed mere men, finds itself confirmed as inherently accurate by today's most sophisticated scholarly research, every jot and every tittle. We were created to interface with the Spirit of God. It is a matter of design. The Word of God teaches us how to interact that we might have life and have it more abundantly. This feature will highlight past research and show science once again confirming the beautiful book. Today's subject is the belly and its brain. The Bible tells us that the mind, the heart, and the bowel system function in their own independent neurological system, and that they are dependent upon one another but possess independent properties. The amazing God Said, Man Said four-part harmony series goes into some detail. I think biology would define the bowel system as everything from the esophagus to the colon. The Word of God aptly describes the system as the belly and the bowels. All of our body parts are subject to a spiritual interface. We choose which spirit, God's or Satan's. Jesus spent much of his ministry casting out devils that had taken up residence in human bodies. 
The unsaved are easy prey for devil possession, for they are taken by him at his will, 2 Timothy 2.24-26. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. An evil spirit will not vacate the human body it possesses of its own accord. It must be cast out by the finger of God. The born again, on the other hand, are possessed of the Spirit of God, and that is a result of the repentant believer's request that Jesus Christ would enter in and be the Lord of his or her life. To many, this will be a shock. The Bible teaches that when one is filled with the Holy Ghost, that the Spirit dwells in the belly. John seven thirty eight through 39 He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Out of the belly will flow rivers of living water as a result of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. In the following verses, watch the close association of spirit and belly. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Take note of the belly and its reaction to the spirit of the talebearers in Proverbs 18.8. The words of a tail-bearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Elihu, one of Job's miserable comforters, had grown impatient awaiting his time to speak. Notice the interaction between the spirit and the belly in Job thirty-two seventeen through 20. I said, I will answer also my part. I also will show mine opinion, for I am full of matter. The spirit within me constraineth me. Behold, my belly is as wine which hath no vent. It is ready to burst like new bottles. I will speak that I may be refreshed. I will open my lips and answer. The belly-bowel system has its own brain designed by God to interface, interface excuse me, with the spiritual realm. Consider what Jesus says again in John fourteen twenty six. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. The Holy Ghost that functions out of the belly of the believer is a supernatural teacher and supernatural memory bank in addition to the many other incredible duties the Holy Ghost performs on our behalf. In this feature, watch an amazing interface between the flesh and spirit. Until the last few decades, the world's great academics dismissed such ideas as the belly, bowel, and heart having a thinking brain that functioned independent of the brain between the ears, or the claim that the brain and the mind are not the same thing. Sunday school foolishness, they mocked. However, the latest neurological research says not so fast. New scientific discoveries fully confirm the biblical record. The latest discoveries mean new scientific papers published, new textbooks written. The world's truth is in a constant state of flux. Now contrast that with the majority text authorized King James Version of the Bible. 
The Word of God published thousands of years ago remains the inerrant truth. No changes. That is the nature of real truth. The following excerpts are from the God Said, Man Said feature, The Holy Ghost and Your Belly. December 1996, in the Ladies' Home Journal, in an article titled, How Smart Is Your Stomach?, it was reported that scientists now believe there is a brain in your gut. Dr. J.D. Wood, chairman of the physiology department at Ohio State University, actually calls the brain in your gut the little brain. This belly brain is really quite large, touting 100 million neurons, which line the digestive tract from the esophagus to the colon. The brain in the gut, which is scientifically termed the enteric nervous system, has as many neurons, which are information centers, as the spinal cord. The following paragraph in the article reveals some very interesting observations. The little brain is connected to the big brain by the vagus nerves, a bundle of nerve fibers running from the GI tract to the head. And to the fascination of researchers, virtually all the classes of neurotransmitters found in the brain are also present in the gut. The more we learn about the enteric nervous system, the more similar it seems to the brain, says Michael Gershon, M.D., Chairman of Anatomy and Cell Biology at Columbiana University College of Physicians and Surgeons in New York City. Imagine your belly brain, the little brain, can know something before the brain between your ears does. The concept of gut feeling is known by all. A pediatrician, a pediatrician was given instruction to new parents in an article in Parroting Magazine, and he said, the best advice I can give you is to trust your gut. It's your best tool. What spirit dwells in your belly has a real and dramatic effect on your belly. Earlier, I quoted the passage that said the words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. If the spirit of fear and anxiety dwells in your belly, it can cause such things as ulcers, skin disorders, nervous stomachs, heart attack, and more. This should come as no surprise. Also note that the scriptures refer to a cognizance in the bowels of a human. Keep in mind the little brain goes from the esophagus to the colon. Lamentations chapter 2 verse 11. Mine eyes do fail with tears. My bowels are troubled. My liver is poured upon the earth for the destruction of the daughter of my people because the children and the suckling swoon in the streets of the city. Genesis chapter 43, verse 30. And Joseph made haste, for his bowels did yearn upon his brother, and he sought where to weep, and he entered into his chamber and wept there. There are many such examples of bowels having a type of knowledge. The last example is in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, end of quote. The headline in the feature published October 1, 2021 by BrainFacts.org reads, Trust Your Gut, How the Brain-Gut Connection Helps Us Decide Intuitively. Several paragraphs follow. The two-way communication between the brain and the gut does more than help us digest the meal it also assists with higher cognitive functions like intuitive decision-making. And these gut decisions may be our best bet when we don't have time to carefully consider our options. Have you ever tried to trust your gut? 
Going uh, for your gut feeling may be risky, but it can help us with our intuitive decision-making thanks to the bidirectional communication between the brain and the gut. Besides the central and peripheral nervous system, our bodies also have the enteric nervous system that contains about 100 million neurons from our esophagus to our rectum. Our gut's nervous uh, neurons provide a pathway for generating gut sensations, and they transmit the sensory signals to the brain and spinal cord to act upon these sensations. In the gut lining, there are enteroendocrine cells that connect with the afferent neurons called neuropod cells, and these cells are responsible for processing and sending the sensory information from the gut to the brain stem via the vagus nerve that runs from the abdomen to the brain. This results in the bidirectional communication between the brain and the gut, called the brain-gut access. Trusting our gut may be our best bet when we do not have enough time to weigh our options, end of quote. John Coates, a senior research fellow in neuroscience and finance at the University of Cambridge, wrote in The Hour Between Dog and Wolf about the belly brain. He writes, The main nerve in the rest and digest nervous system is the vagus, a large, powerful nerve that exerts a calming influence on the many tissues and organs it touches. The word vagus, which is pronounced like vagus, is Greek for wanderer, and wonder this nerve does. It emerges from the brain stem and heads down into the abdomen. In the course of its long travels, it visits the voice box, then the heart, lungs, liver, and pancreas, finally terminating in the gut. Because of its extensive connections, this curious nerve can modulate our tone of voice, slow our breathing and heart rate, and in the stomach control the early stages of digestion. What is more, the region of the brain stem where the vagus originates is also the one that regulates our facial muscles and this allows our facial expressions to synchronize with our heart rate and the state of our gut. By linking facial expression, voice, lungs, heart, and stomach, the vagus plays a central role in our emotional lives. It also brings messaging back to the brain. Almost 80% of the vagus nerve's fibers is a cable composed of thousands of fibers. It carries information from body to brain. Most of this returning information comes from the gut. So one may naturally ask, do gut feelings really come from the gut? The quick answer is yes, or at least some of them do. Not all, though. Interreceptive information uh, st streams into the brain from uh, every tissue in the body, and not just the gut. Nonetheless, the gut holds a special place in our physiology because, remarkably, it has its own brain. The gut is under the command of what is called the enteric nervous system, which controls the movement and digestion of nutrients as they pass through the stomach and intestines. Unlike other nerves in the body, this nervous system can act independently of the brain and is one of the only systems that will continue to function, even if all connection to the brain is severed. It contains approximately 100 million neurons, more than are found in the spinal cord, and produces the same neurotransmitters as the brain. The enteric nervous system has been aptly termed by Michael Gerson the second brain, and it is the vagus nerve that links our two brains, acting much like a hotline between two superpowers, end of quote. The belly is connected to the brain via the vagus nerve.
The belly has its own brain independent of the brain between our ears and can function even if completely severed from the head brain. When the believer invites the Holy Ghost into his body, the Holy Ghost functions out of the belly and leads and guides in all truth. The Holy Ghost actually renews the mind itself. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. There is a reason the gut will often know things the brain between the ears is yet to contemplate. The spirit-flesh interface is real, and we get to choose. When one is baptized in the Holy Ghost, as they were on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, records that they began to speak with new tongues, languages that are personally unknown to the speaker. They are the tongues of men and of angels, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. Acts 2, 1 through 4 reads, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Jesus gave this description of a believer in Mark 16, verse 17, And these signs shall follow them that believe, and my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues. If you have yet to receive this supernatural and most glorious gift, visit the God Said Man Said Holy Ghost series. Take your time there and do not skip ahead. In feature 5, you will receive your gift. Again, John seven thirty-eight and 39. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. The Holy Ghost will use the belly, and from there lead and guide in all truth, add supernatural recall, and literally renew the mind and transform the body. The following excerpts demonstrating belly function and its independence from the brain between our ears are from the God Said, Man Said feature, Scientists Study Speaking in Tongues. I often say when ministering the baptism with the Holy Ghost that the spiritual action never goes above the nose. When one speaks in tongues, the brain between your ears is disengaged. Jesus, referring to the Holy Ghost, speaks of the belly in a most amazing way. And I'm going to read it to you again. John seven thirty-eight and 39. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. A term often mentioned concerning the moving of the Holy Ghost in an individual is that the Spirit of God wells up within him. This welling up begins in the stomach and typically finds release as that believer shouts or sings praises unto God. Very often it will take on the form of speaking in tongues. The following news release was published by UP on November 7, 2006 under the heading, Fascinating Discovery, Brain Activity Declines as Subjects Speak in Tongues, it reads. Medical scientists at the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine have measured a regional cerebral blood flow while subjects spoke in tongues, discovering there was decreased brain activity in the subjects during the process. We noticed a number of changes that occurred functionally in the brain, 
said the principal investigator, Dr. Andrew Newberg, an associate professor of radiology, psychiatry, and religious studies. Our finding of decreased activity in the frontal lobes during the practice of speaking in tongues is fascinating because these subjects truly believe the Spirit of God is moving through them to speak. Our brain imaging research shows us that these subjects are not in control of usual language centers during this activity, which is consistent with their description of a lack of intentional control while speaking in tongues. According to the UPI report, the research appears in the November issue of the Journal of Psychiatry Research, Neuroimaging, end of quote. The lead paragraphs in the November 2 UPI news track story reads, U.S. scientists in a first-of-its-kind study have found decreased brain activity in people speaking in tongues, a condition known as glossolalia. The unusual mental, mental state is associated with some religious traditions and occurs when people appear to be speaking in an incomprehensible language, yet perceive it to have great personal meaning, end of quote. The scripture record, as quoted early, earlier in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, says, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my, pray, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. My father, who was and is a man of God, died in 2004 and went home to be with the Lord. Several years before his death, he had suffered a stroke and he lost his ability to speak. A few days after his stroke, the phone rang in my office. My sister was visiting at the hospital and calling to inform me that it did not appear that things were improving. My father was also a minister of the gospel and had been filled with the Holy Ghost for over 40 years as they were on the day of Pentecost. I asked my sister to put the telephone to our father's ear. I spoke to my father and told him that I was going to speak in a new tongue and for him to do likewise. As I began to magnify the Lord in tongues, he began to speak fluently in a new tongue. He had lost his ability to speak and was in somewhat of an incoherent state, but the Holy Ghost, like rivers of living water, came forth from within his belly as he magnified the Lord. The Holy Ghost functioned, and he was able to speak in tongues, yet he could not speak or communicate in his understanding. The Holy Ghost bypassed his brain. One of our sisters was ministering in a nursing home, and encountered the same situation but 180 degrees out. An old man in the facility had a stroke and was no longer able to speak when she accidentally bumped into his wheelchair. The man let loose a blue haze of verbal profanity. The spirit in this man's belly was evil, and it too bypassed the brain. Speaking in tongues is perfect praise and prayer, and is the function of the Holy Ghost, the cognitive use of words and phrases, which takes place in the brain, is basically bypassed. This is exactly what science is finding out. End of quote. The following excerpts are from the God Said, Man Said feature, Speaking in Tongues and the Supreme Court. The charismatic experience, also known by charismatic believers as the baptism in the Holy Ghost, is initially typified by the speaking in unknown tongues, it has received special attention in the field of neurology, and as you should suspect, the full veracity of the Holy Scriptures is proven once again. To those familiar with the concept of speaking in tongues, it is a supernatural ability directly associated with the biblical baptism of the Holy Ghost. It is a God-given language of men or of angels for the edification of the believer 
and a direct channel to the ear of God. Imagine that. But the language is unknown to the speaker. The Apostle Paul testifies it again in 1 Corinthians fourteen eighteen. He said, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than ye all. This is a large supernatural proof that God is. More information on the neurological activity that takes place when one speaks in tongues is reported in the 2009 book, How God Changes Your Brain. The book's authors are Andrew Newberg, M.D., a neurological scientist, and Mark Waldman, author and co-author of 10 books, as well as a lecturer and therapist. They document the measurable changes that take place when one meditates, prays, and sings, and some startling insights into what happens when one speaks in tongues. The following paragraphs are from their book. Editor's note. Keep in mind as you read the next sentence that 1 Corinthians 14, 14 reads, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. The knowing part of the brain is not engaged. Dr. Newboard writes, Instead of focusing one's attention on a specific phrase or idea which increases activity in the frontal lobe, the practitioner surrenders voluntary control and thus a significant degree of ordinary consciousness by deliberately slowing down frontal lobe activity. This, in turn, allows the limbic areas of the brain to become more active, which neurologically increases the emotional intensity of the experience. End of quote. The New York-based Dana Foundation, a philanthropic organization dedicated to advancing brain research, list its goals as to develop a better understanding of the brain and its functions, to speed the discovery of treatments for brain disorders, and to, to combat the stigma of brain disorders through education. In 2013, the Dana Foundation published the following article titled, Speaking in Tongues, Glossolalia and Stress Reduction. Excerpts follow. At the heart of the Pentecostal experience is the act of speaking in tongues known as glossolalia. What goes on in the brain of people engaging in this unusual form of utterance? Recent neurobiological research has shown that glossolalia may be a more directed activity than previously believed and may play a direct role in diffusing stress reactions, end of quote. Again, remember 1 Corinthians 14, 14, as I'm reading on here, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. Now back to the Dana Foundation's article. In 2006, glossolalia rekindled the interest of researchers after neuroscientist Andrew Newberg and associates at the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine recorded single-photon emission computerized tomography uh, scans of active glossolalias, hymns, singers were used as controls. Unlike people engaged in attention-focusing tasks like mindful meditation, people speaking in tongues while being scanned showed decreased cerebral blood flow activity in the prefrontal cortices. Glossolalia brain function appears to be more similar to other trance-like states in which the frontal lobe acti activity diminishes as the person loses their sense of purposefully performing the practice, said Newberg in an interview for this article. In some sense, it is the opposite of the concentrative process of meditation, end of quote. Note 1 Corinthians 14.32, And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. The article continues. 
Under close observation, glossolalic utterances are beginning to look more like goal-directed actions and less like involuntary outbursts. In the Newberg study, subjects claimed to have no control over their speech patterns during an episode of glossolalia, but they were able to begin a tongue-speaking more or less on demand while being scanned. It seems to be something that someone can ready themselves to do, but once they are fully into it, they experience being taken over by it, Newberg said. Newberg uh, shares the heart of his study. If we're really going to look at this very, very powerful force in human history of religion and spirituality, I think we really have to take a look at how that affects our brain, what's changing or turning on or turning off in our brain during those extremely deep and powerful moments of faith. And remarkably, he discovered that what's happening to the test subjects when they pray in tongues neurologically looks a lot like what they say is happening to them spiritually. When the test subjects prayed in their native language, their brain activity indicated normal behavior for speech in the frontal lobe. However, when the same test subjects prayed in tongues, their brain activity showed something extremely different. The test subject scan showed that the frontal lobe, the part of the brain that controls language, was active when he prayed in English, but for the most part, it fell quiet when he prayed in tongues. Dr. Newberg confirmed this finding, saying, When they are actually engaged in this whole very intense spiritual practice for them, their frontal lobe tends to go down in activity, but I think it's very consistent with the kind of experience that they have because they say they are not in charge. It's the voice of God, the Spirit of God that's moving through them. End of quote. We were made to interface with the Spirit of God, and we choose yea or nay. God's Word is true and righteous altogether, a place to build a life that will last forever. If you are yet to be baptized in the Holy Ghost as they were on the day of Pentecost, then click on the Holy Ghost series. God said, John fourteen twenty six, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. God said, John seven thirty eight and 39, He that believeth on me, as the Scriptures have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. God said, 1 Corinthians fourteen fourteen, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. Man said, There's nothing supernatural about the Bible. It's just old men writing old, outdated foolishness. When I need real answers, I just ask my phone. Now you have the record.